Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsion, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and this is a part two episode going over the Black Canyon 100K, specifically the one this weekend uh, in February 2023, um, coming up in just a short bit. And um, in part one, we went over my training cycle, we went over the course details, we went over race strategy, we went over um, tips to succeed on the Black Canyon race. So if you're looking for that kind of content and haven't listened to part one, totally encourage you to go and listen to the first part of the episode where we talk a lot of the nitty gritty tactical details and suggestions and my training into the race itself. So if you're interested in listening to that, um, check out the episode before this or go to the show notes and click on uh, the previous episode. Um, for the part one on this one, because this episode is going to take more of an analytical approach to the men and women's fields and the Black Canyon 100K, um, specifically in terms of who are the athletes to watch in the 2023 field. We're also making podium picks. We're analyzing the top athletes in the field. We're making some predictions for race day, um, kind of like similar to the content that Single Track is putting out with all of their commentary and analysis on the tr- biggest trail running races out there in the world. Um, we just love what Single Track is doing, and uh, this is to add to the conversation of the amazing analysis that they already have going at the Black Canyon 100K. So this is the first episode we've ever done anything like this. Uh, so let me know what your thoughts are. Let let me know if you like it. If you want us to do more of this, just let us know. And when I say us, I'm joined in this episode by co-host Lindsay McDonald, who is a runner in the Flagstaff area on the Era Vipa racing team. Super talented runner, um, super smart runner. Um, and you, as you're going to see on here, she really, really knows how to go deep on analyzing a great stacked field, which is what we're doing in this episode. So hope you enjoy this episode. And uh, yeah, tune into the Black Canyon 100K this Saturday. Uh, Era Vipa is going to be putting up a live stream on that, which I'm super stoked about. But for now, we're going through our women's and men's picks uh, for the podium, for the field at the 2023 Black Canyon 100K. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode and let's dive in. Might as well just dive into our picks here, right? Yeah. So so let's wanna, talk. Oh, do you want to dive into kind of just like, maybe we go over the fields and then yes. look at picks? Let's um, do it. Do you want me to do women and then you could do men or I don't really care. However you want to do it. Yeah. If you want to hit, I mean, you have amazing notes here on the women's side. So I feel like you, you would, I couldn't do that justice with all the the prep that you've done there. So uh, go ahead and hit it. Sweet. I will take this away. So I have categorized these. I, um, I have a few categories. Um, the first one being like returners or black Canyon veterans. So we have on the women's side, Casey Lick Teague or Lick Tige. I don't know if I'm saying that properly, um, who won in 2019. Um, that was the road year, so it was slightly more runnable. But Casey, historically, on a variety of terrain, excels. Like, she's she's won High Lonesome before. Um, she's won Western States before. 
So incredibly experienced. She is coming back. Um, I think it's almost exactly a year since she had hamstring reconstructive surgery, which is a major surgery. She had um, her hamstring with tendon was completely um, like removed from her, uh, from her bone, which is insane. But she rehabbed that really diligently. She came back and ran Western States last year, very conservatively. I think she was um, somewhere in the 20th place, but she was just running that to experience it and to finish it. Um, she has a uh, deep ties to that race and a lot of um, just love for that community. So she'll be back. She's actually been training really well. Her she's back to kind of consistent, you know, 100, 110 plus mile weeks. It's a lot of road, not a lot of trail. But with someone like her, she historically doesn't seem to be super affected by not running a lot of trail. Um, she's able to just get her training in and then still perform really well on trail. So I'm not really concerned with her. I actually. I keep going back. I keep having her in my top three and then not. I just, this field is so deep. I think she's in my top five. Um, okay. So second, moving on from that is Elsa McDonald. Um, one of the most badass ultra runners in the sport currently. She was the 2018 winner, second fastest time on the course. Um, only a few minutes behind uh, Brittany Peterson. She was actually second overall in 2018, which is insane behind um, Tim Freericks, which is just wild. She was second overall and she is coming off of an amazing second place at Western States last year. She did not take her entry back into it. I believe she's focusing on UTMB. I'm not 100 percent sure about that, but I think she just wants to get in a fast competitive 100K. I think she mostly trains in Arizona, but she's Canadian. Um, she seems to always be in Phoenix though. So I don't know what exactly the tie is to Phoenix, but she is very knowledgeable of the course. Um, super strong. She wins many races outright local races around here as training runs. Um, and I actually have her as my top pick to win. I'm giving away my top picks as we go, but whatever. Um, other notable, I think the interesting thing too, about Elsa, I think she's the last person to beat Courtney DeWalter. Oh yeah. 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 That too. Yeah. Also, also is, like someone you would want to just like go on a run with and have a beer. She's always posting pictures of like wine and cheese. And I'm like, I vibe with that. That seems like a very nice balance. <laughs> Same here. I love it. So I've never actually met her. Um, I would love to go on a run with her sometime. I know she runs with some of my friends in Phoenix. So maybe at some point I'll get to meet her and run with her. Maybe this weekend, or I won't run with her this week. Maybe I'll meet her um, next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> other notable returners, I'm listing ones that were in the top 10 last year. We have Brianna Grigsby, who was fifth, who just had a phenomenal run last year. After getting like fifth at Bandera, she came around and just had another incredible race. Super strong runner on air Viper race team. She's coming off of a big PR at Havelina 100. She had like a small little um, injury that flared up from that. But <clears throat> the last month, her training has been awesome and she's been feeling great. I was on the course with her last week and um, she dropped my ass the last few miles. <laughs> so watch out for her. She's in very good shape. Um, and she races with so much heart. She's one of those people that, you know, looking at their training, it may not be the most impressive or the most mileage, but when she gets on the race course, she puts it all out there and just is so passionate about, um, the races that she's in. So that is a deadly combination <laughs> when you have that much passion and she's super strong. You also have Shay Aculano. Um, I believe I'm saying that right. She was eighth last year and 
that probably wasn't her best performance of 2022 because she came back um, the back half of 2022 and put together some phenomenal results. She was third at JFK um, and she also ran a 16.0300 miles. So she has serious range. She has that speed, the foot speed. Um, I know she's had a few knee issues. So this course, I think kind of is that exasperated that a little bit last year. So Hopefully the knee issues have resolved and she is ready to rip um, this year. I think she's actually, this is her third time running it mm. and keeps getting quicker every time. So this could, this could be a big year for her. Um, also, Nicole Hansen was ninth. Um, this was her first hundred K last year. She's on the air Viper race team as well. She just had a big PR at Coldwater rumble down in, was that Goodyear area mm-hmm. um, Phoenix um, second to Allison Baca, who is a phenomenal runner for Solomon. Um, super, super competitive race. They were flying. She ran, I think, like low fours on that course. And it's like a 52 mile or 52 day. It's not even 50. It's over 50. So they were running very quick. Um, she also dropped me last week. <laughs> Both those girls are very fit. Um, and they are also very experienced on the course. They've been on the course for weeks and weeks now. I always think when they have um, more course intel and experience on the course, that definitely gives an edge. Um, So lastly, on my returners list is Keely Henninger. She was the 2016 60K winner. So she's been on at least the first part of the course. Um, And Keely Keely is putting in some great um, training right now. Her training looks phenomenal. She looks very strong, very speedy both on flat, fast stuff, both on climbing, hilly trails. So um, she just recently set the FKT, the supported FKT at Joshua Tree. So oh, wow. she's, also, um, she's also been in the heat recently. She seems heat trained, heat adapted, which is a good thing. Uh, the only concern I would have with her is she's had ankle surgery recently and her ankles have been somewhat of an issue. Good for her. She's wearing ultras, which are lower drop, which will protect mm-hmm. provide some protection. Um, but yeah, as long as she is conservative, doesn't roll an ankle, gets that ankle maybe taped. I think that would be a good precaution for her. Um, but yeah, Keely is incredibly fit, incredibly talented, has a lengthy history. One of those like highly experienced athletes in the longer distance. Um, definitely, I think could be in contention in that top three as well. So I'll pause any thoughts, comments of my BC return. There are some other returners um, that were maybe not in the top 10 that are in other areas like Lottie Brinks, but I'll cover them in a minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And great analysis on there. I think like the three names out of that list that I'm just very, just hard to bet against is Elsa. I mean, like I said before, like last person to be Courtney DeWalter, just such a super strong runner, very well versed to the Arizona area, um, oh, yeah. outright winning races. I mean, it's just hard to bet against someone like that who's going against this field. So, I mean, Elsa, like it, it's so hard to bet against her. Like I, yeah, yeah. second yeah. at Western States in yes. that heat, like she's great in heat. She's, she's just so strong. Um, I think a lot of people have Elsa at the top of their list, which she's not even taking, like, she's obviously not even taking the ticket. She just loves, um, to compete and run fast and she just thrives off of this environment. So 
I think she'll be out there just enjoying every minute with like zero pressure. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. That's the other thing. There's zero pressure on there. And I think that can be a benefit, especially like for, you know, people who are just kind of just, you know, running for the ticket or running with like some, some skin in the game, so to say. Um, so I just think, uh, man, like with all those things, Elsa, it's hard to bet against her for sure. The second name, uh, Brianna Grigsby. I mean, I, could not agree with you more when you say like she knows how to race like not just physically but mentally as well i think from like a like this she, i mean she's such a she's so nice she's like very very kind and everything but when she's out there like you can tell she's a crusher like she, yeah. yeah cutthroat she and she, when she's like working out and racing she's like oh i'm going for it i'm fully in fully exactly committed. exactly and, I, and she's always up there yeah she's a she's a physician or doctor um i have run with a few doctors and i like their mental game is so strong i mean probably because they had to go through like residency and all this stuff like they've been through every mental challenge and their mental game like they can just like tunnel vision like tune everything out and power through something about those doctors so that's such a good point I've never thought of it like that, but that makes sense. Like even just to become a doctor that like is an ultra in and itself with like all the work and and mental endurance that you need. Yeah. And so I, and I mean, Brianna, she knows how to race in the desert, obviously trains in Tucson all the time, which I think I would say like training in Tucson might be even more favorable than training in Phoenix for this race. Cause I think Tucson, you get a lot more of those technical kind of trails that are going to give you that foot mechanics to really, really handle that last section, even better than if you're training in Phoenix. Um, because you, cause it'll, I think even if you're training in the mountains in Tucson, it'll make that last, uh, section look a little easier. So I, I really like Brianna Grigsby out there. Um, and I think she's going to do, uh, like amazing and, and really just, uh, have a great day. And then, I mean, Shay too, uh, 21 years old like yeah she's she's probably the youngest in this lineup yeah sure with with a substantial amount of experience like she's been racing ultras for like three years now so Mm -hmm. since she was like 19 which is crazy so crazy and i think somebody sponsor that girl for real absolutely and who knows like maybe this is like kind of her big break out there for there but i think it's it's hard to discount anyone who's that young because you can just make such great progress because i think with black canyon too she like shaves off two hours just over a year um so i don't know i i think uh i think those three names um surprisingly i didn't have shay in in my I would put her top five easy. I didn't have her in my top four, but uh, I, w- I would, I-, I mean, I think, I think any of these women like that you mentioned have a shot. I, I hope you hear my top picks and I hope anyone listening like proves me wrong. I, I, I seriously want the best for all these women. They are all like superstars in my mind and I'm just glad I'm not racing them. <laughs> yeah. For th- this woman's field is, is stacked. And so I, I also see in your notes, you also have first time hundred Kers. You want to, yes. want to go through those a little bit. I, um, yeah, I know. So Georgia Porter, um, my training partner up here in Flagstaff, this is her first hundred K. It actually probably won't be her longest race though, unless she blows up. She better not. Cause I have to, I have to get a long run pacing her that day. So I've told her, I'm like, go out conservative because I'm going to get my long run and pacing it. Just kidding. Um, either way, she has done Tusher's 70 K, which is 
a super mountainous, slow, long, long day on the course. So this may not be her longest run based on time, but it is her longest run based on distance. Um, and Georgia has a really interesting background. So she was, uh, she didn't even start running till like her late twenties. And then, mm-hmm. um, she comes from a family of runners, but her mom, her mom is insanely fast. Like her mom's running in the two forties is like, I want to say in her fifties, her mom will kick my butt. Um, and then her sisters <laughs> are all like pro slash elite, uh, road and track runners. And she didn't start running until yeah, like 20, 27 ish. And then she went to Western state out in Colorado and ran track for them, um, on a sponsorship or not a sponsorship. What's it called? Uh, <laughs> um, scholarship. That's what I'm saying. In college, it's a scholarship, not a sponsorship. And uh, yeah, competed four years there. Uh, was very quick, was an All-American multiple times at D2 All-American. And then went to the roads after that. And she was a 236 marathoner, a 112 half marathoner, just huge engine, huge aerobic engine. And she has, um, she's just such a student of the sport. She switched to trail. She got really burnt out on road and she switched to trail a little over a year ago. And, um, so humble, complete student just takes in every experience and tries to feel it out to the fullest and learn every lesson that she can. And I think that's absolutely reflected in her results over the last year. I mean, she's nearly won everything she's been in. Um, the only big competitive race she's been in so far is broken arrow. And she was third there, which is a phenomenal result against a stack. Mm-hmm. Um, she's run a lot of local races, which I think is super smart to like get your chops under you and, and um, learn how to race well. So this is going to be her first, like, well, not her first broken arrow was, this is going to be probably her most competitive race ever though. And I think she's just positioned herself mentally and physically and emotionally to perform super well. Like she doesn't, she hasn't looked at anyone in the race. Um, she runs so true to herself. She's incredibly fit. She's been running hundred, 110 miles a week. You wouldn't know cause it's not posted anywhere. This is secret Intel that only I know. Um, she, she does like two, two workouts a week. Um, yeah, very fit. Most of her long runs have been on trail and uh, she's feeling good and she's ready to rip. So I actually have, I've, I've moved her around just because this field is so competitive, but I think I have her in third. I think mm. I'm, I'm plotting her in third just because I think there's some people with slightly more um, experience than her, but I don't know. Georgia could win it any given day. <laughs> Georgia could do it. Um, then second in the first time hundred Kers is Megan Drake, who is also on the, I used to say Georgia's on the Air Viper racing team. And Megan is also Megan Drake is also on the Air Viper racing team out of Ogden, Utah. Um, she's newer to the ultra scene. I had, I should say, I have the, I had the pleasure, but she, she also kicked my ass in the <laughs> Moab trail marathon last November, USATF marathon champs. Um, she was technically the runner up. It was confusing because the winner did not have a USATF bib. So she thought she was winning. I don't know. It was confusing. So I'm going to, you know what? You could say she was the winner, but I mean, she wasn't that far behind the winner. Um, but yeah, I raced most of the race with her. That marathon is very, very, very technical and she flies over rocky terrain. So don't count out Megan Drake because she knows how to navigate some rocky ash trail. <laughs> She's also mm-hmm. been training really strong, like doing all her runs in gnarly 
snowy trails. So, I mean, her ankles should be well equipped to handle a Black Canyon. My only question mark is if she's been getting sauna time in because um, it's pretty cold in Ogden. And I don't think she has escaped to any warmer places recently. So that's first time 100Kers. Um, we could move on to speedsters. Let's hit it. Let's go right to the speedsters. The funny thing is I also listen to the single track podcast and I think they refer to them as speedsters too. I'm like, dang it. I thought I was creative. I'm like, no, I no. know. I, 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 I like saw that. I was like, they just ripped so off Lindsay's idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just kidding. I love the single track podcast. They, yeah. Shout out single track. They're amazing. I also can only aspire to be as analytically accurate as Leah Yingling. So. Oh, she's uh, anyways, great. Yeah. Onward. On the top of my list here is Lottie Brinks, who is also a returner. She had a rough race last year. I believe she fell, hurt her knee, um, heroically finished, and really not a bad time. It's still sub 11, I believe, um, and powered through that. I think she's looking for a, a much better result this time. She's coming off of a Havelina, a phenomenal Havelina 100K course record that's beating. Courtney DeWalter's course record. That's saying something there. Um, she trains out of Austin, although she is en route currently to Boise, I believe. They're moving to Boise right now. So I think she says mountains are calling and I don't blame her. I fully resonate with that. She's recently had some ankle issues, which I actually think this could potentially help her. I think this may keep her a little more conservative. She runs again with so much heart, so much speed, incredibly fast. I think if she goes out a little more conservative and that ankle maybe keeps her a little more conservative in the beginning, she could um, be the one that takes this whole thing. Uh, she needs to tape that ankle, make sure it's safe and wear low drop shoes. I think she saw, she's a Solomon athlete and mm -hmm. some of those Solomon shoes, like I've, I'm a, I'm a, one of my problems is I buy like every shoe in the market and try them all. And those Solomon shoes are kind of tricky on rocks. So I don't know if that's a contributing mm. factor, um, to the ankle rolls, but hopefully she finds a nice lower drop. There tend to be higher drop, like six to eight mil. Hopefully she finds a nice lower drop Solomon and keeps her ankle safe. Uh, second on my, well, do you have any thought you were, you were at the race she was at. She, oh, she also had a really good Havelina hundred debut. So that was what, yes. in 2021, she was fourth, I believe, or fifth? I think fourth. I believe yeah. so. Um, yeah. So she's really good in the desert, but I think some of the rockiness of the terrain, because she's so fast, um, can trip her up occasionally. Because she's just like, it's difficult. When you're running that quick, navigating over the rocks is hard. Um, yeah. I mean, she too, I mean, like, I... So I saw her, I, I passed her a few, or she passed me a few times at uh, Havelina 100 when she was doing the 100K and I was doing the 100 miler. And she, like, not only did she obviously look fast out there, you know, breaking a Courtney DeWalter record, which is always impressive in any kind of scheme of things, but she goes hard. Like, she's another one who has that kind of, like, killer oh, yeah. mindset. Like, I didn't see her after the race, but I was hearing from other people that she was, like, like blacking out, just, like, literally left it yeah. all out on the table. And, yeah. um... I think, you know, when you, when, when you see people in the female field like that, it always, uh, it, it always just captivates me. Like, cause I think, uh, 
I think though it, it, sometimes it's what it takes to win a lot of these tough races and to see her to your point before, like when she like dislocated her knee last year at black Canyon, still finishing the race at an impressive time. It really, really just makes me so curious to see what she can do totally fresh. And I do think she's going to pace it. Well, it's actually interesting. I have a, I'm interviewing her on Monday, so we'll be, uh, we'll be chatting about all this. So unfortunately this is before that conversation, but I would, I would assume given that uh, she was kind of like one of the highlighted athletes in fine line. And she yeah. was kind of talking about how she even recognized that she was going too hard out of the gate. I, uh, in the last year's black Canyon, I think she'll take it more conservative this year. And we yeah. know just how fast she is Absolutely. like has the jets to kick it at the end. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I have Lottie in, in my top, top picks. Um, I do might think, be a hot take, but I, I think it's important like to note that, so, you know, you have your physiological capabilities and, um, you know, once you're bonking per se, or you feel severely fatigued, you feel that usually you've only, you know, hit maybe 50 to 60%. Like you're, you still have probably a substantial amount of glycogen, obviously a fat, but, but your body sends that, that, that override, like it's, it's a turn off switch. Your body's sending those loud signals and, you know, you could train yourself to turn off that signaling and override mm. it. It gets risky, but I think some of the very best ultra runners, um, train themselves to override that. I mean, obviously all of us do to an extent, but like the ones that push like Lottie to that blackout point, that's a big override of like all of the alarm bells going off. And I think you could do it more at Javelina. I think in this race, like you can end up breaking your face if you override to that point. So I think you have to be a little more cautious on these more mm -hmm. technical terrains with that override. Like, um, if you were blacking out on the black Canyon, you literally could like crack your teeth out. So just, just words of warning. <laughs> That's such a um, good point. Yeah. Cause you can be pretty sleepy at Javelina, like loop, loop. Yeah. Like you can slog yeah. that cause there's no rocks. I mean, there's some, but you can keep, slogging through half asleep yeah like it's just it's a very different race um okay so other speedsters we have sarah beal um who i'm shocked she's still not sponsored very very speedy athlete coming out of columbus ohio uh she has that she just set the jfk record um which she took from Ellie Greenwood, who is the current world or current record, well, I guess world record uh, for Western States. So she took that record from the Western States record holder. That's mm -hmm. saying something that's like very speedy record that she took down. Um, Ellie Greenwood was, you know, I think at one point named ultra runner of uh, the decade. At, wow. like, I think she was literally up there. So she's like a historical well-known, like a Courtney DeWalter level. Um, unfortunately she's had a lot of issues in the last five years and has never returned to the sport. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, that's saying something when you take down a record like that, she was fifth at canyons. I think, um, coming into canyons where it's more mountainous, it's a little bit of a struggle training in the Midwest, but she also has a 239 marathon to her name. Um, she looks really, really fit. She looks like she has access to quality trails out in Ohio. Like they're climbing. There's not any sustained climbs. That's probably why it's more difficult to get ready for canyons. But I mean, the training looks solid for black Canyon. Um, so we'll see what she can do there. Uh, and then third on the speedster side, Anna Cassius, Cassius. Yeah. I think that's how you mm. say, um, more road specific. She has the fourth fastest, um, hundred K time in America or forever, ever run by American female. So she ran a seven twenty four at, 
um, 100K World Road Champs last year, which is very, very quick. Um, she also has a really fast marathon time to her name. I don't know the exact time, but she trains out of San Francisco, um, gets on a lot of good trails there. I do think do think those trails tend to be pretty smooth and buffed out. So I, I'm curious to see how um, Arizona trails stack up to the California trails. But yeah, those are your fast, more flatter road specific slash um, buffed out trail runners in the mix. Solid you know mix what? for sure. I think I have some of my top five. I tend to not gravitate towards the pure speed runners. Cause I think sometimes they get themselves in trouble going out too hard. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I have a mountain goats category and <laughs> these are just people who have had success on more of those strength-based mountainous, um, terrain type races. Actually I have Hannah all good in this one, but mm. I think she's honestly, I mean, she, she trains in the mountains. She's out of Colorado Springs. Um, but she's had more success at those strength-based races. So she won Gorge Waterfalls last year in a course record. One funny thing about this is she tried to get into Black Canyon last year and they like denied her entry. Well, like she was trying to get an elite entry and basically they were like, no, we're not letting you in. I'm like, oh, joke's on you. (laughs) She goes back and like sets a course record at Gorge Waterfalls and just blows the competition out of the water. So um, oh my gosh. That's pretty funny. She also won San Juan Solstice, which is the 50 mile um, in Colorado. She beat Claire Gallagher there, which was last year's winner. Um, that's just like, these are all like these, both of both those races are very runnable with a lot of climbing. So like, that's a hard mix. It's super runnable, but with a lot of climbing. So it just shows her endurance and speed and strength um, on these longer races where there's not like a lot of power hiking, like in a typical mountain race. Um, she, she has the same, no, she doesn't have, she's a swap athlete. She's coached by Megan though. Um, Mm -hmm. similar philosophy as David I'm coached by David. Um, she said she might not be taking a ticket because she also wants to go after a world's team. So she's going to be like Sonoma. She's trying to figure out what she'll actually do. Um, so I have her in my top three. Uh, I've looked at some of her training. One of the reasons why I have her in my top three is Hannah bombs downhills like she has ability to bomb downhills and then continue on running so fast Mm. so like it's an indication that her fatigue resistance after some insanely fast downhills like it's there like she's not she's not going but she knows how to like trash her legs well I mean they're not trash because she's like running like 530 pace downhill and then just goes on and climbs and runs the rest of her long run so um very impressive to me I think that is a great indication that she's going to excel on this train. She also reconned this course a couple of weeks back. So she's familiar um, with the course and has adjusted strategies based on um, her experience on reconning it. Um, So the other mountain goat is Meg Morgan, also out of Boulder. Also, I believe a swap athlete. Now I know she is a swap athlete. I think she's coached by David. Um, she won Never Summer 100K last year, which is a true, very mountainous race. And she was eighth at Canyon. So super strong. Um, also quick. She doesn't post, or her Strava is not public. So I can't see mm. what she's doing. But I'm assuming she is fit and ready to go. Um, and then I have long haulers. There's really long only haulers. Haulers. 
I'm calling it a long hauler because it's more like 100 mile specific, 100 plus mile. Yep. Um, this individual, Tara Dower, I actually had never really looked into her until I was doing my research here, but she was second at Run Rabbit Run last year, second at Cruel Jewel, uh, fifth at JFK. She still has wheels. Um, and she has a sub Yeah, good range, um, very strong. She got her start, start as like a through hiker slash like FK tier on these really long routes. So she's newer to like the trail and ultra scene. Um, uh, per her IG, I threw this note in there. She is the candy mama. So I would assume she's probably going to be feeling with candy out there. Mm. So I keep eyes on Tara Dower, see what type of candy she's uh, throwing down out there. Do you she think also that's, has- that's a good strategy? I don't know. I don't know. So I love, um, like in the summer months when I'm training slower in the mountains, I love some PTOs. Like that's oh, my good. So good. Yeah. <laughs> real well, um, during these faster efforts and I just, I don't, I use more gels, but yeah, candy is great fuel. Who was it? Was who had the f- frosting as fuel? Was that Claire Gallagher? I think so. <laughs> With frosting. Yeah. Uh, it's a know, power move. Sugar is sugar. Like glycogen is glycogen. You need it in all forms, whatever, whatever you can get down. That is true. Um, anyways, that's a super, that was all like in the last year and a half that she did that line, like second at run rabbit run fifth at JFK. So she seems incredibly fit. Also very strong. Um, and yeah, look out for Tara Dower. Uh, I have a couple internationals on my list. Um, Ida Nielsen, who is up here in Flagstaff currently. Um, she runs for craft out of, I believe she's, uh, lives in Norway. She's Swedish. Mm. Um, so she actually has pretty deep roots in Arizona. She went to NAU back in the early two thousands. She's in the NAU hall of fame. Um, she was the NCAA 3k champ in 2003 and the indoor 5k champ in 2004. Um, and yeah, she, she had a track road background, 1533 5k. She's not messing around pretty speedy there. Um, but recently she was second at the world mountain champs in the 80 K. Um, so that is a pretty impressive result. She's a really gritty, um, tough competitor. I've actually seen her a few times last this, this week, I saw her up at snowball doing uphill or schemo and I saw her in Sedona two days ago running. So um, I think she's had a few, she got an MRI on her hip recently. There's some like tightness slash pain in her hip hamstring area, but she seems to be running. So hopefully it all smooths itself out and she'll be ready to rip in a week. Um, she has a crown King CR and, oh, one other interesting note about her training she probably has the highest training volume of anyone on this list. Like she literally like flexes 20, like 20 to 30 hours a week of total aerobic training. But the bulk of that is uphill skiing or ski mountaineering. Um, So she is literally, she does like all these intervals in skis uphill and then really doesn't run a ton, like, you know, 30 up to 60 miles a week. But yeah, that's just a monstrous amount of aerobic training so very interesting to see how like it hasn't been on trail either it's been mostly treadmill and road because i think it's Mm. too snow-packed there um so yeah that's kind of a wild card there i i think she's one of the most experienced obviously um having 
so many dominant international performances through the years. So keep an eye out on her. Um, I don't know how to say this one. Is it? Okay, so Yingvild I was hoping that you would know. I think it's Yingville. Casperson. Um, she's a Terex athlete. Uh, she's friends with Abby, Abby and Cordis Hall, who are here in town as well. I think she was staying with them last fall and she ran the Sky Peaks 50K and just like she won it outright and just blew everyone out of the water. She's also a physician um, out of Norway. So again, watch out those doctors. The doctors, <laughs> man. Um, but she's had success internationally. Uh, tough, tough competitor. Seems very speedy. I, I seem to struggle to kind of find more of the results for these international athletes. I know there's like the UTMB um, index or the site where you can look up their results, but I'm like, is there a all like a ultra sign up for international races I can creep on where I can see like all the look, get a better, like full comprehensive picture of what their racing history is. If there it is, was, let me there was, it was interesting. So I was uh like on the free trail. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to pull it up as I'm talking here. Um, and like the free trail fantasy thing, when you click on someone's name, there is like an alternate site. Um, oh. So uh, yeah, I'm just going to click yeah. into it right now. Oh, DUV statistics. Okay. And it, it looks like, it looks like it's like a German website. Yeah. Um, but I think that has like um, extensive kind of stuff on there, which is interesting. Yeah. Cause like the UTMB, it's like, only a few types of races and it's like you don't get to see everything i don't know if there's like yeah i'm like if you're doing local races or anything that's not integrated in their into their platform mm. just a struggle to understand fully where their fitness is at or what they've raced for sure um, okay. last but not least this is my wild card interestingly enough a, a lot of people have hyped heather jackson up and i think the hype is founded but I want to see a few more races to like actually fully buy into the Heather Jackson hype. Mm. Um, I really like her as a person. I've watched a lot of her YouTube videos. She seems like a super genuine, awesome athlete. Um, seems like a badass gravel athlete. Uh, like she switched from triathlon to more of this gravel scene, which I love. I've dabbled in gravel before. Um, so she already has a sponsored entry into Western States too. And I didn't know that. And I'm kind of like, mm -hmm. That's interesting. Um, again, I'd like to see a few more races before we get super hyped on her. A lot of her training is on the bike. She she does a ton of training on the bike still. So um, in terms of like uphill, I think that really helps. Like biking hard translates well to climbing. Um, I don't know if it translates well to this course, though. I'm curious to see. Mm -hmm. She she ran an interesting race at Havelina. It was like, obviously a, a solid hundred mile time, but it was like the, the strategy was insane. Like she went out so hard and had such a rough back half. Um, again, it's Havelina's Havelina. I'm very curious to see what she's like on a true rocky, twisty, somewhat technical trail course. I'm, gonna, I'm curious to see how her experience pans out. She doesn't seem to run a ton. Um, that being said, she does do a lot of her workouts after a bike workout. So the fatigue resistance is probably there. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, she seems really strong. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. That's my wild card. I'm not a lot of people putting her in her top, uh, their top five. I, again, I want to see a few more races before I fully buy. 
spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't listened to single tracks episode but finn had her at number one oh shoot really yeah like finn yeah, yeah placed her at number one yeah, uh, she doesn't run a lot like, yeah it's just not a ton of running and it's not a lot on trail it's no um, yeah i this is this is probably an extremely hot take um and it's not so much about heather jackson as, as it is about triathletes um but so I do, I do think Heather Jackson's going to do great at this race, but I think to, I think triathletes can transition extremely well into this sport. And I don't think there's a good, uh, sample size enough to really make that like a definitive comment. This is more just kind of just on my kind of experience and everything Yeah. because and you nailed it on the head is that fatigue resistance and the ability yeah. to, to keep a high intensity while also working on legs who have already been going because the way that these triathletes kind of race is like they're just like redlining the entire time even in Ironman which are you know those are like eight nine hour days so uh similar to like 100k so if you can like manage that fatigue really well while also keeping up that high intensity without kind of like fizzling away which I think the triathletes just do way way better and that I think that's why we saw Heather kind of gun it from the gate at Javelina because they're just so used to that I'm I'm so like like because it's a shorter distance race I'm curious if that would favor that That's kind of true. strategy. There's but she's pretty strong through the 100k at Havelina and then it kind right. of deteriorated. Yeah. Yeah. But like to your point, this is way more technical than Havelina. Yeah. Um, yeah. and you got to respect the trails. Yeah. So yeah, I'm curious if like lateral movement or just skill like I mean, the amount of people who roll their ankles and fall and that's kind of day ending for them um is pretty high. So um yeah, triathletes also are pros at eating. Like they're they're fueling. Yes. They are exceptional at fueling. So that is on our side. I think we also saw Lisa Roberts was an example of a triathlete mm-hmm. um, who I believe she what was she second? She was second in 20, 2021. So. Yeah. Um just super strong. Um so yeah, there's another example. There's a case study of a triathlete that did very well in this race. So it could be done. I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong. I'm always just, I, I just think there are other females in this field that I think have more experience that could edge her out. I, I, do, I, do think she's in the top 10. I think she could be in the top 10, likely top five. Again, not top three though. I so 100% agree. Sorry, I don't agree with your hot take. It's <laughs> <laughs> like I, the clash of hot take opinions. I love it. We need the hot takes. Like, uh, it, it is great, but I'm, I'm in the same boat as you as much as like, I just hyped her up and like hyped up the triathlete. I, I don't even put her in my top five, exactly the same reason as you. I think the experience of the trail scene on the women's side is too deep that I think in the end of the day, that's going to triumph above all. I, I, I would put her top 10 for sure, but, yeah. um, I just think with this field, man, it's just hard to, have her in the mix on there. And I guess a uh, good segue into, into some picks. So do you want to go through your, uh, your, your podium rounds here? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think I mentioned this off air before I recorded. I, I'm, I have the exact same top three as Leah. Yeah. And I was like, Ooh, we're so good. Hopefully we're <laughs> right. <laughs> I had Elsa McDonald winning it. Um, Hannah all good in second and George, my girl, Georgia Porter in third. Um Yep, that's mine. Looks that like ours are similar. Yeah, ours are similar except for 
we have one shift and then yeah and then one just completely random name in there well i shouldn't say random but different names so my my podium picks is else at first like i said i just think it's I just think it's, it's, you can't bet against her in this kind of race. Um, so good. She's going to take it. So hard second, to- second, I put Georgia. And so the reason I, I put Georgia second and she reminds me very much the same trajectory of like Adam Peterman, where it's like, there's like anytime they're getting into a new distance, they just go out and just smash it. And like, I think combine that with her, passion for trail running right now and how exciting it is for her right now um and the mindset of her like i think georgia's the definition of run your own race not just on the day but to your point through the training cycle like she doesn't look at strava doesn't get that in her head and i think that's such an edge um like just mentally just kind of being there and everything so i think uh i think georgia's gonna gonna come out with the with the second place win in here I feel like a bad friend for not having her hire no. now. No, it's all good. <laughs> I feel like I should have her winning or something. <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah. I, I mean, hey, with this, she's going to States. So it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yes. Oh, true. Is she, yeah, right. Oh, yes. I don't think she hasn't made up her mind yet. She's doing some soul searching on whether or not that race is um, for her or not. So TBD. She also has has uh some other good options too for the summer too. I don't yeah. want to like reveal okay. anything on here, but super yeah, secret. super super secretive Georgia Porter. Um, and then third place, I actually have Lottie Brinks on there. So I think I I really think Lottie, and that's that that might be a hot take, but I just think no, after think performance on Havelina, um, I think she I think she's gonna she's gonna smoke it up out there. I also think Lottie has thrown herself in so many competitive environments last year and you know she she had some big wins and she fell short multiple times but I think she is one of those people that learns from all of those hard days and like I mean just listening to interviews from last year to this year you can tell she has matured in her racing style and her race mentality and I think once all the pieces come together I think 2023 could be a really big year for her you nailed that on the head, Lindsay. Like I, I couldn't have felt or said the like it any better than you just did right there. Cause I, I 100% agree. And I think knowing the mistakes that she made at black Canyon last year, knee uh, dislocation all aside, even with that, she knows you can tell in that uh, documentary, she talks about how she messed up the pacing a little bit and everything. Um, I do think she'll learn from those mistakes and she's banking on such awesome fitness. Uh, yeah, I put her at three, and then I have a wild card pick. I'm curious to hear your wild card pick, and uh, yeah, I have one wild card pick, and so my wild card pick, they can come anywhere in this podium, like, and I think uh, would be someone who can be in there, and I'm putting uh, Brianna Grigsby down in there for sure because all the things we mentioned before, she can race, she knows the course well, uh, training in Tucson is so solid, she's got that doctor yeah. mentality like we were telling, and fun fact, Brianna is actually the reason why I'm doing this race because she. Uh, she she convinced me into it so uh yeah that's not not why i have her in the wild card but just saying. watch out brie brie is a stellar sneak attacker so i think it's a, a perfect wild card pick yeah she will who, sneak attack from behind 100 percent. who do you have for a for a wild card pick you on know, the female side ida nielsen would be mine i really i'd actually have her probably in my top three if it weren't for her recent struggles with her hip um because just the amount of experience she has on her side and like a second place at world 
um, the world mountain champs in the 80K. Like she is such a tough competitor, even like when she's lights out in pain, uh, she can grit through it and like get those results in the day. So I really hope that she's feeling good because I think honestly, I think she could win this too. Um, I just was a little, little concerned when she got um, the news, like she got an MRI. She's hoping it wasn't a bone injury. It's not a bone injury. So it's awesome. She's been running this week. So I'm optimistic. She'll be in the mix. It's a good pick. Yeah. I, I, I was hesitant for that same exact reason. Um, but I think on like a healthy day where everything goes right and she just has an A plus just kind of everything working for her. Dangerous, dangerous uh, oh, person yeah. to watch out for, for sure. Yeah. Alrighty. Do you want to take the men's side? Yes, let's go into the men's side. And I guess like to to also just, um, I mean, it's no surprise to everybody in this podcast, I will also be racing against this yes. incredibly stacked field as well. So it's kind of like fun to look at all this and just be like, wow, like this is, uh, is going to be fun because the men's side is just so, man, I'm, I'm just looking at it right now, just thinking about it. We have some all-stars on there. I mean, same with the female sides as well. So I mean, we can just hop right into it and just talk about maybe the the returners and some of the Black Canyon vet, uh, vets. So yeah. Anthony Castales, I mean, so this guy, when you talk about someone who's like so locked in to like races that he's in, I mean, especially with this one, he's even outwardly said like that uh, Black Canyon was the thing he all he's thinking about. Um, yeah. He's a he's a scary guy to watch out for, right? He's based out of the Salt Lake area. Um, but and a lot of people say, like, you know, if you're in Salt Lake, it's harder to get that, you know, heat training and stuff. But I've been hearing that he's been like locking himself like in the basement on the treadmill, cranking the temps up to like 90 degrees. So I think heat acclimate-wise, he's gonna be great um from that regards. But regardless of that, came fifth in 2022. And from his own measures say that he didn't have that great of a day on there. And so it's like interesting to see fifth at 2022 in a stack field to not have a great day coming close to a ticket. Um, what is he going to look like on a okay day or even a great day? Um, so that's like a dangerous thing to think about. One Canes in 2021, 2019, way too cool winner. And a 214 or marathon, that's kind of like a big theme that we'll be talking about. There's a lot of fast marathoners on here. Fast, fast marathoners yeah. right even talking about like john ranieri 212 at cim really recently yeah. too um but i think uh when you when you talk about anthony having a 214 and the trail experience exactly the su- oh. success on trail i would say he's proven. a dangerous, dangerous exactly person. dangerous indeed yeah i uh I, I totally agree with that. And you and I were kind of talking about this offline on Instagram. We were, we were like, cause you sent me the thing of John Ranieri being like, Oh, this is interesting. And we were both like, eh, like, I don't think he's got a shot. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, is like, I mean, two twelve is incredibly fast, but you have five, you have like five people in this lineup that have run two fourteen or faster. So, I mean, you're talking a couple minutes, like that's, and, and the other people have all the trail experience. So yeah, 212 is impressive, but that's a caliber of athletes at this race is incredible marathoners. I mean, you have probably 10 that have run sub 220 or have the ability to run sub 220. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not unique to have marathoners that quick now transitioning to trail. And I think a lot of people in the road world um, maybe don't fully grasp that. I, I saw some YouTube and let's I was Internet sleuthing per usual um, on let's run and YouTube. They're saying like, oh, but like no, no, nothing against uh, trail runners. But like you guys don't understand this is such a high caliber of athlete. I'm like, no, 
like trail running is getting insanely, insanely quick. And there are so many talented runners transitioning over. I'm like, this is not the same trail running uh, world as five, 10 years ago. Like you have top notch, talented athletes and they're all on the hunt for those top results. Such a good, yeah. And and we see this too with course records just being just obliterated, like just one after the other, like uh, each year. And it just seems yeah. like everyone's getting Lower faster and year. faster. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, that's an interesting comment for sure. And I think like this is going to be one of those races that further solidifies it with all the fast people in there for sure. So, and then he someone to watch out for, for sure. I, you know, I don't have him in my top three but like my heart is also just like dude you're gonna be so freaking wrong like ah because you know my honestly so that this might be probably the hottest take of the podcast but talking about this next guy here is tim frericks i think tim's tim's out for blood on this one and i think tim is going to to shock a lot of people so uh, for those who are unfamiliar with tim obviously one of the og coconino cowboys coming out of flagstaff he was the winner in 2018 um but really like has not been on the racing scene that much he's had i think like as you put on there i think one race in 2022 um yeah and kind of had some rough times after covid given that he's a nurse too and just i think in that kind of space took up a lot of stuff as well. Uh, DNF from canyons to, uh, you know, in a relatively recent frame. So like he hasn't been on the scene that much. Um, I was, it was funny. Cause like a few, I want to say like six months ago or someone I was running with someone and the, the name came up and I was like, wow, I totally forgot about Tim. Um, yeah. But I think he's due for oh, a go good, his training has been, his training has been solid. Um, and I think he's due for a good one. I, I always am a little leery when there's kind of a track record of DNFing. Um, and there have been quite a few DNFs. I like to see people finishing races. Um, as long as they're not like hurt or anything, I like to see people completing, even if it's not an all-star day. Mm-hmm. So that was my main reason for not putting him in my top three or five. Um, that being said, he's incredibly experienced on the course and he's been training on the course. He knows the course, but sometimes that can kind of, that can be, like you jade, like you're jaded because you like know the course so well mm. and you know how you're like supposed to feel in certain places and you could get in your own head in a way. So I think sometimes with the Coconino Cowboys, because they're on it so much, they're like, Oh, it's not my day. I don't feel perfect in this spot. So that may be one of the high, well, there is kind of a high drop rate from them. Like Jared Hazen, yep. Tim, Eric have all dropped um, I mean, so many people, but I think that it could be a double-edged sword, be a good thing. And then you could also get in your head because you know how you're supposed to feel and they might overthink it. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I never, I never thought of it like that. And then they've been spending so much time. And when I say they, I mean like Tim, Eric, um, and also talking, uh, 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 Stephen Kirsch on the, on the course a oh, lot, just yeah, kind of tracing. Yep. So we got, we got like a lot of Coconino Cowboys kind of coming out there. The thing I really like about Tim, I've, I've been watching him build himself back in this training block on Strava. He's been one of like my favorite Strava follows this, uh, this training block, so to say, 
And yeah. he's been putting up some insane work. There was one workout. Uh, he did like a progression, like 26 mile run where I think he was like clipping like sixes and fives, just like alternating like back and forth for like 26 miles. And I was just like, I, yeah, I, I was blown away by it. That might be like one yeah. of my favorite, like Strava finds this year. And I'm not basing like my whole pick on there, but I, he's been very consistent. He's been very fit. Um, and I think, just kind of hearing like he he interviewed with Finn and everything like that. I'm getting the sense that like after the crazy few years he's kind of had and just kind of been in the, in the shades, he might be looking to, to, to kind of have this as like a, Hey, I'm back kind of moment. And I, I love those stories. So maybe, maybe I'm just picking him more cause I want it for him, but, but I really do think he's got a shot. Yeah. Okay. I threw this guy, um, Michael Versteeg. It may not, I, I, don't think he'll be in time contention, but you have to give the guy a shout out. He's kind of a, he's kind of a Arizona legend. Um, he has the full course record or the, the main, I shouldn't say, what is it? Cocodona course record. So last year there was an alternate course. He has mm-hmm. the original course and the actual course record on it. Um, and he was second at black Canyon in its, uh, first year when it was like, um, just, uh, inaugural year. So, that was, nine, that was nine years ago, but Hey, I think we should still give him a shout out. Um, he's quite the character and, uh, will be fun seeing him line up again. I don't think he's raced it since that inaugural year. So good to have him back out there. Yeah. I mean, of course, living in Arizona, Michael Versteeg is like a household name in the running community and everything. Yeah. I'm curious to see, because I know, um, like his last race, at least on ultra signup is that 2021 Cocodona. And he towed the yeah. line last year, but DNF really yeah. early due to those yeah. back issues. Yeah. Um, he's going back to Cocodona this year too. So he's like what, what you think of like basically ultra running 10, 20 years ago. And it's just like, you had a plastic water bottle from the gas station <laughs> and you just, you went out and ran for five hours. That is Michael Versteek. He's like the ultimate minimalist. Um, he doesn't like all the gear. He gets annoyed by, um, you know, required gear lists. It's like, why don't we just run light? Like, why can't I just like bring my water bottle or nothing? I think sometimes he runs in sandals. He's quite the character. I'm, I'm a big fan. Oh. I love watching all of Air Vibus documentaries on him. I think he was, a, he was at one point the um, Arizona Trail FKT holder. Correct. Um, been since taken down, but yeah. Give him a shout out. Got to give him a shout out. I mean, got to. I mean, he's he's awesome. He's even like I think he's putting together his own like uh his own race too in September, which is like oh, super really? cool. Yeah, I think so. Hundred miler and hundred k, I think want to say, but um, nice. yeah. So I'm sure he's also like busy with that stuff too. So it'll he'll be a fun watch out there. I agree with you. I I I'm wary oh, about probably twentieth ish. I would yeah. guess. But he'll have fun though. Yeah, he'll have fun. Yeah. Next on the list to another Coconino Cowboy, Eric Sensman. Uh, yeah. Um, we, we all know Eric, right? Third and 19th, third and 17th. Uh, he's won the golden ticket at this race before had an epic comeback. I believe was it 2019 where he was just like kind of shredded, like after like the, f- yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then like everyone thought he was going to drop, but then he just freaking laid down the hammer and just hit yeah. it. Um, he was I, second I, at 21 too. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Second and 21. Yep. Missed that one as well. Um, and I, I, he's a talented runner, but I, I, I question if he's going to be fit enough. Um, this, I seems fu- to be, this seems to be his course though. I mean, if he's going to shine on any course, Eric 
seems to thrive on this course. He doesn't put his training on Strava, so I don't have a good benchmark where his fitness is at, but looking at other Cowboys training, they all seem to be training together. So I know he's, he's has some fitness there. So we don't, we don't know. I don't know. It's also, this is, this is not the same race. It was in 17 and 19 or even 21. So that's going to be a lot harder to place up there. Yeah, that's true. What he brings this year. Yeah. And, and I also want to shout out something on, uh, that, uh, Brett Horning brought up in the single track podcast. He was like, I don't like, and at first hearing about it, you think it's a, it sounds like a ridiculous comment, but the more I think about it, I'm like, oh, it kind of makes sense. Brett was saying, he's like, I worry about his fitness after Coca-Dona. Now, granted, that was like over, like that was a long time ago. But that's a lot of mileage. And and sometimes it's hard walking. to get. That's true. I mean, 250 miles. It's not that hard on the, I mean, it is, but I mean, it is to an extent, but it's different than like, I mean, it's probably similar recovery to like running a really fast hundred mile. Mm, that's true. Yeah. Like, you're not doing a ton of damage walking for four days. That's I true. Would that's a good I've, point. I've, I've been out there and I've paced it and I've seen, I've kind of firsthand witnessed um, what it's like. It's just different. It's a totally different. It's like through hiking. It's basically right. a through hiking race. Yeah. hundred percent. I've never even seen the documentary too with Eric. I need to see that. Um, but I thought it was an interesting comment. I was like, man, because I've talked with some people who, I mean, it's a, it's a, and I guess it affects a lot of people differently, but, and I've never done anything more than a hundred, but it's a, it'll be interesting to see out there. So um, he'll be a fun watch though. I think even just having like Tim and also uh, Stephen Kirsch out there, like, I think that'll be a cool pick. And then also two on the returners, BC vets, Nick Curry. I mean, one of my favorite runners to follow of all time. I, I consider him probably one of the most disciplined and and methodical runners of our, our generation. I mean, just the king of negative splitting for sure. American 24 hour record, um, you know, a few years back, uh, he's usually pretty up near the top. And a lot of these races at Javelina, I believe he was fifth last year, um, was going to go at Bandera, but then kind of had some foot issues. So, um, he's coming back onto here and I know he's been wanting to get a golden ticket. So, which is interesting because I believe he also got in hard rock as well. Oh, I didn't know that. I believe so. Yeah. I, could, I could be wrong. A lot. Um, yeah. so I'm curious, like, what he'll do. I mean, I know off the top of my head, he's probably raced like 350Ks in the last two months. So, I mean, there's no shortage of long, hard um, efforts in the last two months. But yeah, is, is his foot good? Is he ready to um, hang with this caliber? I think he has the potential to, but that setback um, with his foot could have um, maybe, it could, it, it could have hurt his train. I mean, he's been running. I did look on Strawberry. He has been running, but I guess we'll see if he's in tip top shape. Yeah. He did run like, I think 50 miles is like a training run, like a few weeks ago. And he, 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 which is, I know like that, that is, but, but he even put in there, he said, he's like, I'm not feeling as fit as I'd want to be. So I I don't know if that, uh, that plays (laughs) a factor in it. Miles help. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. So wild uh, card there. Nick Curry's a wild card. (laughs) He is a wild card. Um, Really yeah, like he's it. he's awesome. Any comments on any of the returners, BC vets, anything on that? No, I think we're good. 
Sweet. Well, onto your, uh, I'm, I'm calling it the Lindsay dub term. I'm going to, I'm going to say that you, you dub this one as the speedsters. Um, I think a lot of people have eyes on Ryan Miller out there. I mean, two fourteen or marathon. Uh, he's a swap athlete. Um, 2021 been there a winner, uh, San Antonio QTQ um, just a great guy uh, all around and just really, really fits and can has a leg speed, has a trail experience. It has a kind of all, um, but kind of been like, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't like, I think a lot of people are going to be rooting for him out there and I know he yeah. can do it, but I also think there's like a camp that almost kind of doubts him a little bit out there. What do you think about well, that? He, he got sick. So based on a couple of interviews I heard from him, he kept getting sick last year, which really mm-hmm. hampered some of his race plans and performances. Um, he did race. I believe Gorge last year mm. was that it? and did really well there. Um, but yeah, he's the 20, 2021 Bandera winner. He knows how to, Bandera's Rocky. He knows how to run a Rocky yeah. terrain. Um, uh, he puts all of his training on Strava. He's put together some really great workouts, both on trail and flat fast surfaces. Um, I think a lot of people have said he's, he's due to have a really good race. He's, he hasn't put together one in, you know, a year, but the fitness is not, it's, it's not that it's not there. It's just that he's had, I mean, he had a new baby um, come into their family last year. We all, well, I guess we don't know from experience, but we all know that can affect sleep and just health overall. And I think he's over that, that um, time frame where sleep is, is hampered by um, mm. crying the night and he's able to put together solid, well-rested training. So I'm excited to, I'm excited to see what he can do. Seems genuine. He's coached by my coach. Um, so I'm always a fan of the swap athletes. <laughs> Gotta be biased there. I had another thing on him. I'm well, he also raced Bandera 25k, ripped a good one. I think he recently raced another 50k. So his progression, his training block's been really solid. Um anything else on him? No, I mean he's he's definitely a favorite. I think he he yeah, I think he's got what it takes. He's he's got the speed. He's got the experience, like you said, on the rocky stuff. And even though he's in that speedster category, like do you mentioned, like I think he's got the toolkits and oh, the, experience for yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. So I I think he's got like that perfect combination, kind of what we were talking about in the beginning of the podcast of kind of the both outlets of having the ability to handle the technical stuff, but also to rip it when the time comes and. I mean, that's, that's what this plays to. So I think Ryan's coming in with a, with a good background on this for sure. I know you have him in, in the tops. Um, I think he's easily has, I think it's an easily respectable pick for sure to have him in there. Then we got another Ryan, Ryan Clifford, this guy I've never heard of. Till I, I know uh, I, I've, I don't know anything about him. Yeah. But third, third at USATF road, 50 K champs um, in a three Oh six. He was a winner of the Hudson river 50 in five forty seven. That is not a slow 50 mile time. Ran a thirteen eleven at desert solstice. Um, I believe he has done some other like crazy FKT or attempted like run across New York challenges. Um, oh, is that this guy? He, I, he's oh, been yeah. running some like 200 mile weeks or some crazy stuff yeah. like that. Right. Clearly can put some miles on his legs and doesn't seem to have any issues. I'm assuming based on that trajectory, he's also good at fueling since he can sustain those types of efforts. So um, never really raced out in the West that I could tell. So this should be interesting to see how he, he does on um, our terrain out here. It's a little different than um, East coast, but looks like a solid, solid athlete. I'm excited to see how he does. 
Um, and lastly, in the speedsters category, we have Corey Keene, which um, funny story. I was, I used to run on a USATF club team out of Missouri and Corey was also on that team. So we both competed on the same um, club team at USATF cross back in like 2015. So um, I, I knew Corey um, in, in passing. I didn't know him well, but we were on the same team. But yeah, he's a 104 half guy. I don't know what his marathon PR is, but he was also Olympic trials qualifier, um, has switched to trail. Um, he DNF'd at Bandera, I think with some calf issues. Mm-hmm. He hasn't put together any like great results at big races. Um, but I mean, I think the potential is there like with the speed and slowly easing into more trail experience. I think there is some potential there. Uh, he's also a swap athlete. So under David's guidance, hopefully uh, he could put together a quality day out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting because I was, I was uh, again, taken from uh single track a little bit, but I think it's a worth thing pointing out is like a lot of people uh, who kind of go for this like quick turnaround on like, and was that been to your DNF this year, by the way? Yeah. 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 Like a lot of people. Far oh, sorry, went. I wonder, I think he, maybe went through like 50 K and drop. So it wasn't like that. Okay. He didn't go almost to the end. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I, I worry about anyone who's kind of making that back. It's a quick turnaround, even, oh, yeah. even and granted, he only did half the course. So like, maybe it's more so like a training run for him from like an adaptation standpoint, but um, I mean, can't, can't, you can't deny the speed on this guy. He sounds, uh sounds like he could be in tip top shape for sure. Yes. Good potential there. Um, and then I didn't know where to put these two. Obviously, these are probably two individuals on most people's podium or top five. I just labeled it Western States alum. <laughs> Not very <laughs> uh, But yeah, Stephen Kirsch out of Flagstaff. Um, he's He hasn't ever had like any huge all-star standout race, but just pretty, pretty consistent, very consistent results through the years. So he's been seventh Western States at 21. Second at JFK, that was a big one. Um, I'm curious if the Cowboys will kind of do a team strategy where they like mm. together. I wonder if they're going to go out together. I wonder if they've talked about that at all since three of them are in it. Um, but yeah, Kirsch is solid athlete, good leg speed, great experience on the trail. Um, runs for Terex, Adidas Terex. Uh, and, and yeah, should be, I think he's in a lot of people's top three. I don't have him in my top three. Um, I think maybe I should now because he he said that he – I think I didn't have him in my top three because he's not a – he doesn't like heat. Um, he hasn't done well in heat. But Ooh. if it's a cooler year, it could be his year. It could be his time to shine. So maybe I should rethink my top five. If it's a cooler year, though, for sure. I think yeah, even with, with, yeah, I think even with 65, though, it, like you still got to yeah. – you still got to uh, have some heat, heat chops in there, I think. Yeah. And then David Laney, um, mm-hmm. clearly on a international level. And so his, his extensive international experience, um, more recent result. He was first at Gorge 100K last year. Runs for Kraft. I believe he trains out of Ashland, Oregon. Yep. Um, yeah. Historically, he's had some good results at the UTMB races. Um so yeah, I think he's he's stronger in the mountains typically, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to see how he does on this course. Uh, also has good leg speed. 
Um, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on David. I think he's in many people's podium pick. Yeah, the one thing I do know about David from what I've heard from a lot of people who know him close and personally is they say that he, I mean, he's a very soft-spoken guy. Like when you kind of hear him, kind of similar to what we were talking about Brianna Griggs before, kind of like that silent killer kind of mindset. And I always like to watch out for those people as it's kind of been the common theme on here. Um, And I think he's really trying to, to make a major splash in a lot of these U.S. races this year too. So um and he really wants to, I think, get get back into a place at States where he can have a good showing. Um, you know, he's raced it a few times, but from just listening to some interviews, he, it doesn't sound like he ever really had one that like felt great for him. And yeah. so I think just to have that motivation to come back out there and have a good race here so we can have a good race at States. I mean, he he's someone I'm, I'm watching out for, for sure. Um, so I, I like David Laney in this field for sure. And I think he's got a lot of a lot of good stuff. Uh, ahead of him for this race yeah for time's sake we'll try to roll through these next Rolling ones through them. I know, like taking our time uh but returning from bandera this is the question mark um i have is is this too quick of a turnaround for these three athletes um having just raced bandera so we have jp giblin who was very surprised to see um coming back uh after bandera got second so he has his ticket already um i would assume he just wants to participate in a very stacked field some people just love racing and i think that's awesome and very commendable and if you love racing this is your this is your race you're gonna have probably one of the best north american race lineups or competitive lineups in this race uh brian curl also raced bandera he also raced mcdowell frenzy yeah oh that's right he won it yeah frenzy december 3rd and then turn around to bandera He's now doing this. Um, that is Gimlin, Gimlin ran frenzy too. Oh yeah. That is mm-hmm. insane. Okay. So those are, I'm probably not, not that I don't dislike these athletes. I'm a huge fan of these athletes. I just think that may be a lot of back-to-back long stuff and it may be challenging to have fresh legs going into this. And then Canyon Woodward was third at Bandera. Um, so I, I'm assuming Brian Curl and Canyon Woodward are on the hunt for that ticket coming back after bandera um all great runners brian curl recently signed a solomon um and i think the other two are unsponsored so good up and coming talent hungry for a ticket we'll see if their legs are recovered yeah uh, I, I will say one quick extremely hot take on jp Giblin. i think he can come in top five um and and the reason why i say that is he can turn it around quick. I mean, obviously he he came third, I believe, at Frenzy 50 on a you know incredibly fast year where a sponsorship was up for grabs. And then he had that Bandera ticket. But the one stat that blew my mind from him is that he came second in Leadville last year, but it was oh, the yeah. it was a week after doing the McDowell Mountain Bike a hundred miler. And that's like Wait, in that's his, the Leadville. Yeah, the Leadville, yeah, the Leadville hundred mile mountain bike. Yeah, yeah, back to back within oh a week. God. And so, to, and then to come in second at Leadville, which is always a st- like pretty stacked race, has a lot yeah. of talent coming in. I mean, that's impressive. So, uh, and he, he's, oh man, like the, the podcast interview I did with that guy, he, he's got the, the mind of a champion. So, uh, I think JP could come in top five for sure. Don't count JP. Yeah. Again. I think these three athletes are some of the most interesting um, storylines. Just their trajectory in the sport is is quickly 
um, trending upward. So watch, watch those three names in the next year. May not be this race. Maybe it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's a wild card there. Um, I had one mountain goat. I don't actually know much about this individual, Ryan Smith out of Boulder, but he was third at Hard Rock in 2021. And he was the winner of Leadville in 2019. So um, you could put you could put in mountain goat slash long hauler because um, those are both uh, lengthy 100-mile races. Mountain 100-mile races seems like a very strong athlete and a notable call-out. Um, other pros in the field, Matthew Seidel, uh, fourth at JFK this year and won Lake Sonoma last year. Um, trains out of Oakland, California. Seems fit based on Strava. Seems like he has good leg speed. Those are two more buffed out races. So um, we'll see how they do on the Black Canyon course. Cole Watson, that's a household name um, in the ultra world. Third at Javelina back in 2021. Third at Bandana, Bandera in 20. Um, I've heard that he's like a 63-minute half marathon guy, so clearly his leg speed. Um, a lot of people are banking on him to do very, very well. And based on like ultra sign-up, again, I think there's people who may – like the guy is fit. Any of these guys could win, honestly. But um, there's just some other people with maybe slightly more – uh, flashy results. I mean, second and third at these events is by far not bad, but definitely looking for that ticket probably in this race. Mm -hmm. There's some uh, third place finishes in those other golden ticket races. Mm -hmm. um, internationals. Let's see here. Probably the standout, the name everyone's talking about, Tom Evans, very speedy guy. Um, third at UTMB last year. Tom already has a I believe he already, yeah, uh huh, because who had, yeah, he already has an entry, um, so he's here. I don't, I don't know if he's just racing this because he's here for the Terex camp that's in Sedona. They're having their team mm. camp um, this weekend, so I don't know if he was like, hmm, competitive race, might as well stick around. Um, but yeah, he already has entry into Western States. Who, who of those top two didn't take their ticket or already had entry? Killian didn't take it. So oh, yeah, Killian didn't take it. And then, um, uh, God, who came in second again? Um, Blanchard, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. He came in second. He took it. And then yeah, it went down to Tom. And then, okay. Tom also won Madeira last year. He was third at Western States in 2019. So he has experience, um, at Western States. He, he is just like internationally talented, I think I have him winning on my on my picks. I do as well. Uh, Experienced, yes. well. speedy individual. Um, and then lastly, in the international field, I'm going to butcher this name again, Janosh Kowalczyk of Germany, yeah. also on the Terex team, also I believe at that summit this weekend. Um, unfortunately, I wrote down no results, but trust me, he's fast. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, Okay, so wild cards. Uh, the, the the hot takes of the wild cards. This is where we have John Ranieri, the 212 marathoner. Um, he just ran that at CIM. He ran a 304 um, in training for a 50K a few weeks back. The most interesting uh, part of his story um, leading up, or the, the, yeah, the storyline leading up into his first 100K is that he 
I, I went through his training. I was looking at his training. He doesn't appear to have run any trail leading That's up bad. to this race. So I don't know. The other, the other thing that, um, that is concerning to me, um, is that his total vertical gain in each weight. I mean, I don't put a lot of weight on vertical gain, but there's kind of like a baseline that you need to harden your legs to handle this type of terrain. And he has, I think he, he, mostly is in the three to 5,000 per week running like a hundred plus miles. So that is very relatively flat running. Um, you're going to have to, you're going to have to descend 6,000 feet in one day. And he hasn't even done that barely in a week. Um, I could see like the adaptations just probably won't be there. I mean, it doesn't take a lot to harden your legs to the eccentric loading, but you need at least like two um, exposures you know, it, it's, it's just a couple exposures to that extended, um, downhill to be able to handle it. Um, I foresee him not finishing. That is my hot take. Um, Ryan Raff is a second one. He's been putting a great training. He's been on the course quite a bit. He is an NAU, um, alum, 1351, 5k, 2856, 10k, great leg speed there. Uh, fresh out of college, his youth on his side. And he is coached, I believe, by String Bean McConaughey, the oh, no um, McConaughey, or yeah, I think I think so because he's part of that All In Trail Collective oh. trail mentorship program. Yes, um, he, he he seems like uh, he is under some great guidance there, and I think he's set himself up to do really well in that race. Um, he seems to have done all the things necessary to have a good first hundred k experience. Um, done quite a bit of trail done a lot of quality speed threshold threshold interval work um yeah looks strong i would say he probably will bode slightly better than john ranieri having exposure to trail <laughs> i agree and then our I last, like Ryan. Oh, go ahead our last wild card is joe corsione oh no <laughs> no no but he's in the mix yeah you I, solid i know you're going to um cover that in the preview but thank you yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate me being a wild card in the mix. And uh, yeah, it. I mean, obviously, I'll kind of talk about it when we get to the picks. I guess I'm already alluding to to what my picks will be. But yeah, it'll it'll be fun out there. I do like Ryan Raff a lot, though. I think he I think he could be one that like doesn't have like that kind of allure to his name, but can really shock some people out there. I mean, like his training looks so, so solid. Um, so I think Ryan Raff's a good pick, but John Ranieri, I agree with you. I I can see a DNF, and he's a great runner. Don't don't get me wrong, but oh, phenomenal, yeah. I think Super once you start getting past that three hour range, that's where I worry about this guy um, because he's not going to know how to handle those variables in an ultra where you need to problem solve as much, where you don't get in a marathon experience and uh, even a fifty k training run. So it's not that I don't think he has. I I think. The thing, here's the thing, like I, I mentioned earlier, there's probably like five plus marathoners that are at the same talent as John Ranieri on road, um, in a road marathon, but they have years of experience, like mm -hmm. one to two years of experience and exposure to trail racing. And that's just going to be the difference. Like you can't, you can't bypass the fact that you have to run on trail. You have to have that specificity without that. You're just asking for disaster. I mean, I, I don't, I can't think of a good, I mean, it'd be like him trying to run a 212 um, and only training on trail. Would he do that? 
I don't think so. It's like, you, you can't have one, like you have to have specificity. <laughs> That's not, you're not going to run a 212 only running trail. I mean, maybe if you're Jim Walmsley, but he's a one in a million. <laughs> That's a good analogy. I actually never thought of it like that. Like that's uh I feel like we, anyone who wants to to get in the world of ultra or trails from marathon and you should explain to them that analogy. Cause like, I feel like that'll help it to click for sure. <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully he'll, maybe he'll prove us wrong. I'm, I'm yeah, always, yeah. always going to be proven wrong. Yeah. Again, these are just opinions. Exactly. These are all opinions. Yes. It, it would be fun, fun to be wrong for sure. Uh, I think, I think, and I think there's a lot of room for a lot of shakeups in this race. So I guess going on to your podium picks for, for the men's field, uh, who do you got in your top three? Well, I've changed it probably five times right now. I have Anthony Casales, Tom Evans, and Ryan Miller. Anthony for the um, win. I think Anthony, Anthony's hungry. He got fifth here last year. Um, you know, both Anthony and Ryan were recently dropped by their sponsors. And so, you know, not that they have a chip on their shoulder, but mm. like when you're unsponsored, there's it, it's less pressure. You have nothing to prove. You're only doing it for yourself. And I kind of like that. I think that mentality lends itself to um, just leaving it all out there and, racing really well i mean they they should be sponsored both very talented athletes but yeah ryan was with nike anthony was a solomon um and so yeah this is this is their moment to shine wow that's actually such a good point that actually almost makes me rethink my uh my picks a little bit but i i, I do really like anthony and ryan in the mix for sure i think if, and i think out of those two i think anthony definitely is the clear winner for me at least um just because he's I can see the chip on his shoulder, not just from the sponsor, but just the race in general at Black Canyon. Like he, he knows that fifth place finish is not his full potential. And I think he even knows that he can do way, way better. Um, and yeah, I think when you see a guy who's locking himself in the, in the garage, like just putting up the heat, just doing whatever you can to get that race specific, uh, it, it can be a dangerous game. So I think, uh, I think Anthony at number one, that's, that's a good pick right there. What are yours? All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. What did you say? I was like, "Quick, you better change him now." Yeah, I know. I'm like thinking about it, but I'll be yeah. locked in. So, all right, number one pick. I'm gonna have to go with me on this one. Like, here, hey, here's yeah. The the reality of the situation is right when we look on paper, all the names that we discuss, like objectively, I'm not even in the conversation, and I 100 understand. But like. At the same time, I think I'd be doing myself a disservice if I didn't full-heartedly believe that I could put it out there. Um, so, and it's, 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 you know, I never, I have no expectation of ever being like in the mix or being predicted by others or anything. Cause I quite frankly, just haven't earned that yet. I don't have results. Like, and so, um, you know, I totally get that, but I have to, I have to bet on myself. So I'm, I'm putting that as number one. I feel like if I did it any other I'd be doing myself disservice. So I'm going, uh, number one for me, number two, I'm going Tom Evans. I think, I think Tom Evans, when you, when you think about the greatest athletes in the sport, the Killians, the gyms, the Francois, Tom is in that mix of conversations. And I think even if he's going in this race, not going full hearted, I think, I think like Tom Evans on, uh, on, on a moderate effort day is still better than yeah. a lot of people on their full effort day. Um, so I love Tom and he's been here just kind of getting the lay of the land a little bit, like with that Terex camp. So I think he's going to be, he's going to be ready to rip out there. So I like Tom at two and three uh, again, maybe more so cause I want it to happen, but uh, 
you know, I, I like Tim at number three. So Tim Frerichs at number three. Yeah. Tim would be a number three. Yeah. And then, and then just a fun wildcard pick Cole Watson. I think, uh, I, I agree with you. I think he, he's, his results need to be a little bit better. Um, but I think fitness for fitness, he's one of the most fittest guys out there. And he, um, he recently changed his coach to Brett Hornig. Um, yeah, recently changed his coach and his training. And he's saying that he feels that this black Canyon race is best for his skill sets relative to a Javelina or Bandera or canyons, which he's all done. Uh, I believe top five at all those. So, um, yeah, I, 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 for him. interesting to see Cole Watson out there. Yeah. I think the men's, um, the men's side is a little harder for me to pick. Um, so hard. Yeah. The women's, I have a better idea of, I could be wrong again, but I, the men's side was so hard. There's so many that are just like, oh, they're due for a really big day, but you never know which one it's going to be. Yeah. It's, it's tough. And like, who knows? I, I feel like the, with all the lists on there, it's a potential to be, blown up. I mean, we could have another true heart scenario where you see exactly. just this one dude who wasn't even on the list coming out there. I mean, there's, and there's even some relatively strong runners on here too, like Austin Horn, Jacob Pusey. Like, I mean, there's just like yeah, even more people like behind the scenes lurking. So yeah. who knows? Yep. It's going to be exciting. I'm pumped to be out there following along next week. Exactly. And you're going to be pacing Georgia as well as correct. Um, yes. Yep. So I'll be, I'll be watching the live stream. I'll bop down there around 11, hopefully see the leaders come through black Canyon city. And then hopefully not too far after that, Georgia comes in and we hunt people down. Yes, exactly. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I have firm faith that she's going to get on that podium for sure. So be super cool to see you, uh, taking her home and, uh, getting that awesome, uh, awesome result out there. And, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun race. And so, uh, Lindsay, I'm curious, any last questions, thoughts, takeaways, opinions on this incredibly stacked black Canyon race we have coming up? I don't think so. Um, happy racing to everyone participating. And, um, I wish you all, a fast, fun, and hopefully successful day out on the Black Canyon course with no blowups, minimal vomiting, and hopefully no rolled ankles. I love that. I, I especially love the minimal vomiting one. It's like minimal. Like it's almost like it's going <laughs> no, to happen. happen. <laughs> yep. yep. It's going to happen. Awesome. And same to everyone too. If you're racing at the race, you see me out there, come say hi, whether it's before, during, after, um, I'll, I'll be staying probably after a little bit, cheering some people on at the finish line. So if you're at the race, come say hi, I would love to see you, um, for sure. And if you are racing, have an amazing time out there. It's super beautiful. It's super fun. Enjoy it. Um, and, uh, just have an amazing time out there. And also thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. If you like this episode, if you like this format, you want us to do more of it, let us know. Uh, this is our first foray too. So also let us know of any feedback too. Um, but also too, uh, if you're listening to this, please give a round of applause to my amazing co-host, Lindsay McDonald, Lindsay, thanks so much for uh, coming on again. This is fun. It was my pleasure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone. We'll see you at black Canyon. Appreciate you listening and remember become a better endurance athlete every day. And we'll talk with you real soon. Take care.